our Savior, King of us all, Jesus Christ, and the Son of the living God, to be the glory forever. Amen. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew Simon's Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, in number about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples of those who were sitting down, and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to the disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who has come into the And actually, any time there is uh, five Sundays within one month, you know, every Coptic month is 30 days. When there are five Sundays in the Coptic month, always the fifth Sunday's reading is about the five loaves and two fish. The church is trying to teach us that God is giving an abundance of opportunity uh, to approach Him, uh, specifically sort of in the Eucharist. So so typically when we, when we think about uh, the... The readings of this gospel, we, we, we think about giving thanks to God for allowing us to enter into church and to partake of His body and blood. And I think, sort of, with the things that were going on in the in the world and society today, how things are limited and how it's not as easy as it usually is to get into church, it's especially a good time uh, to give thanks to God for the abundance of opportunity to come and approach Him. Uh, our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, feeds here 5,000 men besides the women and children. He was, so this, this gospel is actually mentioned in, or this reading or these events are mentioned in all four gospels. It's only event is mentioned, like only miracle is mentioned in all, uh, four of the gospels. He was in Galilee and he went away to pray by himself. And when he came, uh, sort of to the shore, he found that there's a crowd with him, uh, and he felt sorry for them because he was teaching them all day and he was healing them that were sick. And at the end of the day, the disciples were saying, you know, we should send them away so that they can go and get food and they can get somewhere to stay or else they might not make it their way, their way back. And our Lord Jesus Christ basically essentially says to them, you know, they don't need to go away. You should feed them. And the response of the disciples, we only have five loaves and two fish. Now, Lord Jesus Christ, he took the five loaves, he took the two fish 
He gave thanks to God, he broke the bread, he gave it to the disciples, and then he gave it to the people. And then of course the miracle that there is enough bread and enough fish to feed everyone, and not only that, that there are baskets left over for the 5,000 people that had eaten. Now, you know, for those of us uh, today, there might be people who sort of claim that this miracle did not happen. They say, of course, you know, it's impossible for 5,000 people to be fed from five loaves of bread and, and two small fish. And they claim maybe this is all made up by the gospel writers or by the apostles that it didn't happen. But this is incorrect. This is a true account. And it was real food for real people. 5,000 people is a lot of people. But what is really this gospel about? Our Lord Jesus Christ making sort of sandwiches of fish for people? If that's all it was, if the gospel is just about, look at this miracle that our Lord Jesus Christ did, it wouldn't do any good for you and I here to hear it now, because we weren't there. We're not going to eat from the bread and the fish. This gospel is about more than this. So how did this, how did these events start? Sort of get a little bit deeper into the, into the passage. So right before this, our Lord Jesus Christ had been informed that St. John the Baptist, um, was martyred. And so after he heard this, he withdrew, uh, to be uh, sort of by himself to pray. So the disciples told our Lord Jesus Christ about the death of St. John the Baptist, and he went to a boat to be alone. And the people, where did the crowd come from? The crowds, they found out where he was and they followed him. So the people heard about the death of St. John the Baptist and they went to follow after our Lord Jesus Christ. Why are they following after him? So the Bible doesn't explicitly say why, but there's some good clues from the Gospels. If you remember when he was baptizing and when he was preaching, the priests and the Pharisees, they would ask St. John if he were Elijah or if he were the prophet or if he was the Christ and he would tell them no. And when he saw our Lord Jesus Christ coming in the Feast of Theophany, when he was baptizing him, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But the people didn't understand this. And later, actually after this miracle that happens, in another gospel, our Lord Jesus Christ says, Who do the people say that I am? And St. Peter's answer was, Some say you are John the Baptist. Meaning some people thought that our Lord Jesus Christ was John the Baptist come back to life. Or that he had somehow received the spirit of St. John. So this confirms sort of to us how fixed or fixated the people were on St. John the Baptist as a leader, as a prophet, and possibly as the Messiah. So then it's not really surprising that when they hear about the death of St. John the Baptist, that the people automatically kind of turn to Christ. Whether or not they know uh, or are ready to believe that he's actually the Messiah. But we have to remember to see this scene from their perspective. Like you and I, we know that our Lord Jesus Christ is, is, is Christ, is Lord, is Savior. But at the time, he hadn't been crucified yet. He hadn't risen yet. The Holy Spirit had not been sent yet. So they're in a different time, different situation, and they see things sort of from a different point of view. It would be natural for them to turn to our Lord Jesus Christ, who they kind of knew as just another teacher, for an explanation about what happened to St. John. So that's why they're following our Lord Jesus Christ. So our Lord Jesus Christ follow, uh, arrives on the shore, and there they are. He has compassion on them. He heals all of them that need uh, healing. And it doesn't say exactly how long with them, but it sounds like they were there with them the entire day, and the people needed to eat and to rest. And the disciples had a very you know, logical plan. The plan was to send the people away, let them find food on their own, so that they can get sustenance and be okay. If you notice in the Gospels, always... 
the disciples, when they have plans, the plans make logical sense. They're very practical, they're very rational. But actually, that, their plan is almost never the same as our Lord Jesus Christ's plan. Now, God is not illogical or irrational, right? He's not crazy. But His ways are not our ways, as the Scripture says. And His thoughts are not our thoughts. So, definitely we, in, our, in our lives, we should use our sense and our intellect. These are gifts from God. God gives us these things in order to use them. But when we put our faith and our trust in our reason and our rationality, we have to pause because our faith belongs in Christ only. And then we are likely to sometimes go away from God's will and from God's ways. He calls us to sort of see with faith, to see the unseen, to see as He sees. What does our Lord Jesus Christ say about feeding the people? First, He makes it clear that the people are not going to be sent away. I'm not going to send anybody away. Our Lord Jesus Christ does not send us away. He doesn't reject us even if we are sinners. He says another place in the Gospel, All that the Father gives to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. So then what does He do? Does He feed the people? No. He tells the disciples to feed the people. You give them something to eat. Why is our Lord Jesus Christ telling the disciples to give the people something to eat? Is it because they're able to do it? Are they able to feed the people? Actually, no. It's so that they will know that they are unable to do this. And that they and that we are dependent on Him. So the disciples sort of are scrambling and they find some bread and some fish, but clearly it's not going to be enough. And what does our Lord Jesus Christ do? What does He say to the people? Does He say, you know, look, okay, here's some bread, here's some fish, it will maybe remind you of a meal that you had before. Think about that and that will sort of fix your hunger. No, he multiplies the food so that there's going to be real food for real people. So when he multiplies the food, does he multiply it so that everyone has only a taste but not enough to feed them? Does he say maybe like eat this little tiny bite of bread and take this little piece of fish so that it can represent the meal that you're going to have later when you get home? No. He multiplies the food. The disciples hand it out and there is plenty. Plenty for everyone. Everyone eats. Everyone is full. And actually to prove that everyone is full and that there is nobody who wanted more to get more, our Lord Jesus Christ makes it up so that there's extra 12 baskets left. In doing this, He shows the people and He shows you and I that He is Lord, that He is God. Because God who made everything out of nothing it's not a big deal and it's nothing to him to make something, make something great out of little. If Christ can create bread and fish, which he did, he created bread, he created fish, surely he can multiply bread and fish. It's something more than a teacher or a rabbi can do. You know, it would have been wonderful to have experienced this thing, but still, it's not, these events are not just about those 5,000 people. It's not about making bread and making fish only. What about us? What is the application for us? Look carefully at what our Lord Jesus Christ does. First, He has compassion on the people, just like He has compassion on you and I. Then He provides for the people in a real and tangible way. If you look at the, the text, what He says, it says, 
he looked up to heaven and said a blessing, then he broke the loaves and gave it to the disciples. There should be bells ringing in our ears that should sound very familiar. Right? On the night that our Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed, St. Paul says, our Lord took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them. Christ in this miraculous feeding is making a picture of the great feast that he's going to give his church in the upper room. And what exactly is the greater miracle? To make fish, like a make fish sandwiches for 5,000 people? Or giving himself, offering himself as a meal to give life because he is the source of life? which has been multiplied for, this meal has been multiplied for 2,000 years, feeding millions and millions of saints, and continues to do so. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who became man, just like you and I, knows that we need real food. We don't need just a reminder of what He did on Golgotha. It's not enough for us to have a meal which only represents the feast that we're going to have in the world to come. Something for then, but is not ready for now. No, our Lord Jesus Christ gives us real food for real people. Today, on the altar. He doesn't send us away to buy food, because He knows we cannot get it ourselves. He doesn't expect us to feed ourselves. He knows that we are dependent on Him. So He gives us His body and His blood to eat and to drink. Why? Because he, he came to redeem us. He doesn't give us a spiritual form of body and blood. It's not just a reminder for us to tell us, you know, one day we're going to be again with Christ. Even though He Himself was sinless, He took our sins into His body on the cross, and He knows how it feels. He walked, His feet walked in our paths. He knows not only that we just need our sins forgiven, but our whole spirits renewed. We need our whole bodies cleansed, our whole bodies redeemed. So He gives us real body and real blood, real food for real people. So we were not there for the miracle of the five loaves and two fish, but we're here for the miraculous meal that we take on every Sunday. That's why I was saying that the church teaches us that the Eucharist is so important by and it's something to give thanks for by giving us the, the readings of the five loaves and two fish during what would be considered an extra Sunday in the month. Just like when the, the disciples after the resurrection, the ones that were on the road to Emmaus, they recognized Him in the breaking of the bread and their hearts burned within them when they heard the word of God from Him. The same thing should be happening to us when we're here in liturgy. What lessons can we learn from these little loaves? First of all, God will give us life, but only if we give Him everything that we have. The boy who had the five loaves and two fish, he could have sort of hedged his bets. Maybe he would have given him one loaf, maybe half a fish. But he gave it all to him. He didn't even give him almost all of it. But he, he didn't keep anything back. And our Lord Jesus Christ took everything that he had. And it's the same thing with us. Christ is willing, wanting to give us abundance of life. Not only in this age, but especially in the age to come. But we can't hold anything back 
from him. He said it very, very plainly in the Gospel of St. Luke. Whoever of you does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Every loaf that we have has to be put into his hands down to the last piece. Secondly, very important, especially considering as Orthodox Christians we receive the bread not directly from the hand of Christ but from the hands of His Apostles. A churchless Christ is not a Christian concept. If we are going to have life from Christ, it has to come from the Apostles. It has to be found within the church. That's why Christ ordered that the crowds be organized into little groups of fifties, little groups of hundreds. If you want to find, or when people talk about that they're against organized religion, this is it. Our Lord Jesus Christ organized and gathered them into little groups, little gatherings, little churches. Each time we gather for divine liturgy, we are as if we are returning to that wilderness in Bethsaida and sitting in one of those groups of 50 or groups of 100. He feeds us because He loves us and He loves us as a church. He does not give us just a reminder of His death and His resurrection. He does not give us just a representation or just a spiritual meal. He gives us Himself. That's why St. Paul says that we should be well prepared for Holy Communion or else we are taking it to our judgment. That's why we, we announce that to take communion we should be prepared, that we should be ready. Our Lord Jesus Christ never sent anybody away. He doesn't send those people away. He doesn't send us away as well. He satisfies our deepest needs. He fills us so that we want no more and actually there is overabundance and extra coming. And He is here with us in the supper that we are going to partake of this morning and we are going to be united with Him. It's real food for real people. May God help us to remember always the blessing and to be able to give thanks for for the gift of His body and blood that He offers for us on the altar. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.